questions and answers. In the scriptures, we hear of many valiant men who have gone through tremendous testing. However, none more than Job. Loss of property, family, and depletion of health brought him to his knees, but his faith was in an ever-present and all-knowing God. You're tuned to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zucaran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. In today's broadcast, let's tune in into the life of Job. You won't want to miss any part of this fascinating study. If you're unable to hear this entire message, all of our broadcasts are available on our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Now with part two of Message Two is our host, Pat Zucran. Hey, and Eliphaz is, is saying this. He says, you know what your problem is? You have no fear of God. You live in disobedience and in wickedness. And the bottom line is, verse four, you have no fear of God. That's your problem, Job. That's why all this wickedness and disaster has fallen upon you. Because life is just a simple little formula. God is a simple formula, right? You do good, he blesses. You do wickedness, tragedy befalls upon you. So that's your problem. You do not fear God. Well, what's the problem? Job does. Chapter 1, God said, Here's a man, blameless and upright, who fears God and shuns evil. Chapter 22, Eliphaz, you know, comes back. And, and so these are three extremely painful dialogues that you're listening to. It's the most painful part of the whole book. And he says, you know, Job, your problem is not only do you not fear God, your wickedness is incredibly great. He says, can a man be profitable to God? Surely he who is wise is profitable to himself. Is it any pleasure to the Almighty if you're right? Or is it any gain to him if you make your ways blameless? Is it for your fear of him that he reproves you and enters into judgment with you? Is not your evil abundant, Job? There's no end to your iniquities. For you have exacted pledges of your brothers for nothing and stripped the naked of their clothing. You have given no water to the weary to drink and you have withheld bread from the hungry. The man with power possessed the land and the favored man lived in it. You have sent widows away empty, and arms of the fatherless were crushed. Therefore, snares are all around you. Sudden terror overwhelms you, or darkness, so that you cannot see, and a flood of water covers you. He says, Job, man, your wickedness must be incredibly great. And now he levels a bunch of false accusations on Job. And he says, in verse 5, isn't your evil abundant? Here's what you've done. You've charged taxes to your brothers for nothing. And strip them naked of everything they had. Even all clothes on her back you took. You've given no drink to the weary. You've despised the hungry. You've withheld your bread from them. With all your fields and all that you have. You've never given to the hungry. He says, you've sent the widows away empty. The arms of the fatherless were crushed. The widows and the orphans you mistreated and exploited. That's what you've done, Job. Well, he hadn't done any of that. These are false accusations being leveled by his buddies. Who needs friends like that, huh? But the reason they're giving this kind of foolish counsel is because they have a very shallow faith that leads to a very shallow theology that has God put in a very small box and all of life goes by a formula and all the answers are in cliches. 
Very simple. You do the right thing, God blesses. You do wickedness, God punishes. And that's as simple as it is. Their shallow theology, very immature baby faith has caused them to give these kinds of very superficial answers that eventually become false. All right? And become the third source of temptation for Job to curse God. The first one came when he lost his family and his business and he didn't curse God. Second one came from his wife who said, hey, get it over with, curse God and die, and he didn't. And now his friends are the third source of temptation. And man, with this kind of advice, I may have cursed God. (laughs) Just the incredible amount of pain he is in, and these guys bring more. Their shallow theology causes them to state these simple cliches, but actually they are saying things that are false about God and his ways and how life works. God and his ways cannot be put into a simple formula. Life doesn't always follow a simple and predictable formula. And shallow theology often lead to superficial answers that can often do more harm than good for those who are really hurting and in a time of need. And so the superficial answers of Job's friends caused greater pain because they presented a false message about God and life. It's their superficial knowledge, their shallow theology that led them to teach what is false about God and life, and they end up staying things that are false about God and his ways and actually become the third temptation for Job to curse God. And the lesson we learn is this, a shallow faith that leads to superficial answers, a cliche kind of Christianity, often do more harm than good. I remember listening to the testimony of John Walsh, the man who started one of the top crime shows in our country in the late 80s, America's Most Wanted. was the number one crime show of its kind for over a decade. And I remember listening to his testimony And John was living a very successful life when his six-year-old son was kidnapped, was abused, and they searched for him for two weeks, and they could not find his son, and they found him dead uh, on a roadside there. And in tremendous anguish, he went to his priest, and he asked his priest, how, if there is a God, How does he allow something like this to happen? And the priest said, it was God's will. And John said, if that's the kind of God that exists, I don't want any part of him. And John Walsh turned away from God, and God has not been a part of his life ever since. You see that kind of shallow, superficial answer did a lot of harm to a family, tremendously hurting in a time of need. How much better would it have been if that priest sat there and said, John, I have no clue why it happened, man. But I tell you what, with God's help and God's grace, we're going to get through this together. And with God's grace, we're going to, God's love and grace shall triumph and good shall triumph over this evil. And John will be with you there all the way. How much better would that answer have been than that superficial, shallow, cliche kind of answer that that priest gave. Well, those are these answers that Job's friends are giving because of a very shallow kind of faith that they have that puts everything into a simple formula and a simple cliche. 
And we look at Job's friends and we go, who needs friends like that? But the question is this, how many of us have been Job's friends? Man, there are times I'm just embarrassed when I think about some of the cliche, shallow answers I gave to friends who were there in times. They were greatly hurting and they needed words of wisdom and advice coming from a deep, mature believer in Christ with an understanding of truth and a deep, mature walk with God and a deep theology that wrestled with these issues. And instead, they came to someone like me who just gave them some kind of cliche kind of answer that really did a lot more harm than good. But how many of us have been like Job's friends? You know, man's wife walks out on him, and we say what? Must have been a lousy husband. Man of no integrity. Right? If he, he was a man of God, oh, his wife would be there. All right? Everything would be great. No. I know a lot of men of God, great men of integrity. You know, Charles Stanley, others whose wives walked out on him. A lot of things going on, things he could not control. Husband walks out on a wife. Must have been a complaining wife. I didn't pray for her husband like she should have. No. Man, there's other things. I know a lot of faithful women of God whose husbands walked out on them for some reason or another. She's got no control over what, uh, you know, he's going to do. We see godly parents raising a couple great kids, but one of them goes the wayside, ends up in jail. And what do we do? Well, life's a simple formula, man. You raise them up in the ways of the Lord, and they come out wonderfully, right? So, you know, you must have been lousy parents. I didn't bring them up in the ways of the Lord. I didn't pray for them. I didn't have your devotions with your kids. Didn't bring them to church. No, I know a lot of great, wonderful parents whose kids have gone the wayside. You know, once they turn 16, 17, 18, I mean, really, they've got a will. They've got a, they're going to do what they're going to do, and sometimes we've got no control over that. I know a lot of great parents whose kids have gone the wayside. Just listening and speaking with a pastor who raised his son in the ways of the Lord. Okay? I know he did. Not perfect, of course, but great. Well, son got involved in the wrong things, ended up shooting a bunch of people on H1 over there. I'm glad Christians from all over condemned the guy. What are you doing as a pastor? Get out of there. You know, elder, yeah, well, ch all children should be believers. Get out of there. What are you doing in there? You know, obviously you have no integrity. What shallow kind of answer is that? Life doesn't always fit in that kind of formula. And you know, they were great parents. Those of us who know him personally know he raised them up in the ways of the Lord. His other kids can testify to that. What happened? I don't know. Life doesn't always fall in a simple formula. And today, you know, he was sharing. He said, you know, since my son is in jail, I now have the perfect son. He's turned to the Lord, and I have the son I've always wanted, but I'll never hold him in my arms again. Every time I see him, It'll be through a six-inch glass window. You know, life doesn't always go in a simple formula. It's the responsibility of every Christian to grow deep in your faith in God, to understand God's ways doesn't always fit in a formula. Life is always not that simple. And so every believer, we are called to grow deep in our faith, in our understanding of God's character and God's word. Because God is not always that simple. His ways are not always that simple. Life doesn't always fall into a simple formula like Job's friends thought. So Job goes back and forth with his three friends. They accuse him of sin, and he asks them to point out his sin. 
And he questions their wisdom. And in the end, they cannot point out his sin. And he points out their inability to know the ways and the wisdom of God. And he tells them, man, I wish you guys would just be quiet and understand. In times when life seems to be falling apart, God is silent. More than ever, what our friends and family members need is words of wisdom, divine understanding that comes from God, that comes from a deep, rich understanding of God and his word and his ways and the character of God. And so Job, in verse 28, after this debate with these three are done, and we praise God that it's done, those are some of the most painful dialogues in all of the Bible. Job states in verse 28, all that you're saying doesn't come from God's wisdom. Where does wisdom come from? And he says, surely there is a mine for silver and a place for gold that they refine. Iron is taken out of the earth, copper is smelted, from the ore, man puts an end to darkness and searches out to the farthest limit, the ore in gloom and deep darkness. He opens shafts in a valley away from where anyone lives. They are forgotten by travelers. They hang in the air far away from mankind. They swing to and fro. As for the earth, out of it comes bread, and underneath it is turned up as by fire. Its stones are the places of sapphire, and it has dust of gold. Job says, you know, men search in the deepest places for gold. They create ingenious ways to find precious metals that are hidden deep down in the ground. He says here in verse 10, He cuts out channels in the rocks, and his eye sees every precious thing. He dams up the streams so that they do not trickle, and the thing that is hidden he brings out to the light. To the light. And they're great Ingenuity, men find ways to find treasure that are buried deep, deep in the depths of the earth. But despite all man's technology and skill, he cannot find the greatest treasure there is, wisdom. In verse 12, he says, but where shall we find wisdom? Where is the place of understanding? Man does not know its worth, and it is not found in the land of the living. The deep says it is not in me, and the sea says it is not with me. It cannot be bought for gold, and silver cannot be weighed as its price. It cannot be valued in the gold of Ophir, in precious onyx or sapphire. Gold and glass cannot equal it, nor can it be exchanged for jewels of fine gold. No mention of it shall be made of coral or of crystal. The price of wisdom is above pearls. He says the most valuable asset ever, more than gold, more than silver, more than any precious stone is wisdom. And man in all his ingenuity can go into the depths of the earth and find treasure. But the treasure more valuable than all, wisdom, no man can find. Well, where is wisdom to be found? He says in verse 20, From where then does wisdom come and where is the place of understanding? It is hidden in the eyes of all the living and concealed from the birds of the air. Abaddon and death say, We have heard a rumor of it with our ears. But God understands the way of it, and he knows its place. God is the source of wisdom. And only God knows where wisdom can be found. It's not to be found in the ingenious of men or anywhere in the earth. It's found in God himself. He is the very source of wisdom. And in verse 28, Job states, this really is the essence of wisdom here. And God said to man, 
Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to turn away from evil is understanding. And God told man, this is the essence of wisdom. It's the fear of the Lord and obeying him. What's the essence of wisdom? To trust and obey, even when you don't understand, even when life seems to become unraveling and God is silent, even when you cannot understand, when you want to quit, the source of wisdom is what? To trust him and to obey. In times of great difficulty, when God seems silent, the wicked are prospering, life seems to be unraveling, the uh, godly are called to continue to fear the Lord, to not give in to sin, but to trust him, to live in obedience, no matter how difficult things may be. You know, a few years ago, when I began in ministry, I was in graduate school, and I came home for the summer, and I was doing an internship at a church here locally, and we had a great time. In the summers, you know, our, I was in charge of the youth, and the youth, we had a great team of leaders, and uh, we had a great youth group, and, and the youth group actually got bigger than the regular church. It was a little awkward, but hey, God was blessing us, and we were having a great time. Well, the second summer I came back for my internship, things were a lot different. I was getting, the guy over me was just critical of everything I did. It was like I couldn't do anything right. Everything I did was falling apart. And our youth group continued to grow and prosper. Kids were coming to Christ, but according to him, it was horrible. It was absolutely terrible. People were complaining. Kids were getting abused, whatever. And I was sitting there going, where is all this coming from? You know, I had no idea what was going on, and he just snapped at me in meetings. And I was, well, unbeknownst to me, the deacons in the church had gone up to the senior and said, hey, we really like Pat's philosophy of ministry. It's working out really good. Can he teach it to the whole church? We want to learn his philosophy. And by the way, can he share the pulpit with you? We really like his teaching. I didn't know that. And of course, he wasn't going to have any of that. And so perhaps not intentionally, maybe it was, who knows, you know, he began this, this smear campaign. Of course, me being naive, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't handle it very well. We'd get into arguments and all kinds of things, and I, I couldn't figure it out. And, you know, in the end, I was accused of some nasty stuff, which we proved was not true. But in the end, I said, hey, whatever, you know, is going on, this is the way you feel. I ain't coming back. All right? And he rejoiced over that. And he said, oh, great. Let's pray for you, Pat. So I remember the worst phone call I had to make, I called up the youth staff and I said, I know we had plans that I'm going to graduate soon and we're going to come back and have a great ministry together. I said, it ain't going to happen. You know, I don't know what's going on, but I've been accused of some nasty stuff. It's not true. I've cleared my name, but I can't come back, guys. And I remember we were sitting there going, why? Why is this happening? Why? Flew back to Dallas and completely discouraged, wanted to just quit school, walking around going, you know, Lord, I signed up to serve you, and uh, this is what I get, huh? Thanks a lot. You know, I gave up a career as a DJ and uh, working on the golf course and just having a blast. This is what I get. Thanks a lot. I was walking around campus uh, ready to quit school and just go back to the fun life. And I sat down with a professor who noticed that my grades weren't doing as well and I wasn't the same running around. And he said, what's going on? So I explained to him what happened the summer before and all that had gone on. And he said, man, I wish I could tell you it will never happen again to you. But he said, I'm afraid it will. And he said, I want you to remember one thing. I said, what? He goes, Genesis 50. Remember Joseph? After all that happened to him, his 
brothers betrayed him. They sold him in slavery. They tried to kill him. They told lies about him. All of this, after all that he went through, he became the prime minister of Egypt. And when he reunited with his brothers in Genesis 50, he said these words, What you intended for evil, God meant for good. He said, Pat, remember that. In ministry and in life, people will do things to tear you down that are intended for evil. God can turn it around and use it for good. Incredible words of wisdom. Completely transformed my days in grad school and transformed my life. reason I'm still here is because of the wise counsel I received from him. And in times of great difficulty, that's what we need, right? Men and women of God, of deep, mature faith, the deep understanding that can present words of truth and wisdom in our time of need. And it's the responsibility of all of us to attain wisdom, because we all can. How do we go from a shallow, superficial faith to a mature, deep, and wise kind of theology and faith that we all need? Well, here's just five tips, okay? Number one, it doesn't come easy. You've got to diligently, diligently study God's Word daily, all right? Second, Study and read good material, biographies of men and women who have gone through the difficult times. Just finished one by a Japanese Christian doctor, Takashi Nagai, the Bells of Nagasaki, who served as a Christian doctor in Japan during the time of the destruction of the atom bomb there in Nagasaki. Powerful, powerful biography, one of the great heroes of Japan few have ever read or know about. Always have a humble heart, knowing we, we have the truth, but we don't always have all the answers. So we should be always humble and ready to learn. Learn from your painful experiences. Take time to sit down and reflect and learn from them, instead of just trying to dismiss them and never think about them again. And take time to reflect on life, to meditate on God's Word. We need times where we just get away from it all, regularly, and just reflect on life. Reflect on the things God is trying to teach us, probably some valuable things he was trying to teach us that we didn't hear or didn't know when we were going through those difficult times. There's a lack of wise men and women of character in this world, but when you attain wisdom and grow in your character, you can give more than a superficial, cliche kind of answers. God can use you greatly, and people will come to seek advice my exhortation, the exhortation given to Job is this. When things are going on and you don't understand, we are called to trust and obey, no matter what, and to be patient. And someday we may get the answer, someday we may not. But as Job said in 1315, after hearing all the advice of his friends, he made one of the greatest statements of faith found in the entire Bible. He said this, Though he slay me, Yet will I always trust in him. And when you can get to that point in Job 13, 15, you've gone from immaturity to mature. When you can say, you know what? I don't know what is going on. But though he slay me, I will always trust in him. You're going to start coming out of that dark tunnel. Well, when we come together next week, God is finally going to give us an answer. All right? And we're going to discover how we can come out of that dark tunnel that Job is in, that you may be going through. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for the truth we have learned from your word. Though it's difficult and deep truth to wrestle with, help us to move
from a superficial kind of faith to a deep and mature one that would be of great ministry to one another as we encourage each other for life doesn't always fall into a simple formula doesn't always go the way we expect and in those times may we be people of wisdom to share great truth that would strengthen one another in those times in Jesus name we pray amen Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. Be sure to join us next time for the continuation of this exciting show. If you find this broadcast to be a blessing, please consider partnering with us. Evidence and Answers relies on generous donations from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate and keep us on the air, you may do so right there online on the homepage of our website. Once again, that's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll find we have a wide variety of resources available to you, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide reasons for faith and hope in Christ, right here on Evidence and Answers. Yeah.